Hi, this is Chris Birch from Modiphius. You are listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about how to be a good player in an RPG. In the news, Pathfinder Kingmaker pre-orders are available, replica props of D&D Magic Rings and a life-size closet familiar, Brandon Sanderson's Starlight Archive is getting an RPG and more, plus Egg Embry's 5 Minutes Dragon Con with Jody Black and a brand new sketch about an adventurer's trip to the accountant. This week on Morse's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. I, Malak the Maleficent, have seen fit to sponsor this pitiful podcast myself. As you know, Malak the Maleficent, who is me, is the most powerful, excellent, and handsome wizard in all the land. He is guaranteed to be 100% better than that Victor von Wolfhausen Smythe, and not at all genocidal. Malak the Maleficent, for a better tomorrow. Briefly. Tabletop roleplay news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ has ever! I am delighted to be here. And here with us today, joining us for another consecutive week, it is someone who remains strong against the dollar. It's the one, it's the only, it's... It's me, Jessica Hancock from EM Publishing. Strong against the dollar. Weirdest introductions that you've given up. Yeah, how am I strong against the dollar? Just because no, I'm I British. I, 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 I think you totally take the dollar, yeah. Or oh, a dollar. Thank you. I, okay. <laughs> it would fold before you, like it was made okay. paper. Okay, so well, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't realise I was going to be interrogated about the source of my like, um, introduction. Have you not been noticed you get interrogated on it every week? Yeah. No. Have you not noticed? My pattern of education skills are poor. That we comment on your introduction yes. every single week. We judge it weekly. It's yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've got a spreadsheet and everything. Scores. Yeah, yeah. Evaluations, everything. You, you really should move on to an access database. <laughs> <laughs> right, anyway, 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 anyway. It's time for the awfully cheerful question. If you have a question, tag us on the socials with hashtag awfully cheerful question or email us at morrispodcast at gmail.com. If we answer it, we'll send you a free book. A free book? We're far too generous. That's what I say. So, our Mm. featureful question this week um, relates to the OGL, the Open Gaming Licence. Yes. So, the question is from Sky Jester on on the Twitters, who asks, with the deluge of funding and accessible self-publishing avenues by which I assume we're talking Drive RPG, Kickstarter, DMs Guild, all the different ways that you can... Yeah, itch yeah. and... Yeah. Yeah. Plus the wealth of titles released every month that derive from some other OGL slash CC, so Creative Commons, I assume, product. Mm-hmm. At what point do you think the market reaches the limit of interest by the community? At what point does the market get bored of having so, new products to look at? At what point does it become saturated? I mean, that does yeah. happen. It does yeah, happen. Right. Like... Uh, 
in the D20 era, mm-hmm. early 2000s, there was so much D20 stuff coming out that um, there was a massive, massive D20 boom. Mm-hmm. And then there was a massive, massive D20 bust. Yeah. And shops were left with unsold stock and publishers went under. All sorts of stuff happened. Yeah. Okay. So it does happen. The market becomes saturated and it just collapses. Yes. Well, will this happen here? I mean, I, I, I suspect that in terms of non-physical product mm-hmm. in stores, as in electronic product, yeah. DM's Guild probably sells more than was ever sold back then. Mm-hmm. I suspect. I don't know for sure. But I, it I seems think, like it. I think a big part of it is that the number of people playing is bigger. So there's because oh, it's like a slice of a pie, isn't it? So yeah. the, yeah, the yeah. third yeah. license stuff, you just get a slice. But I think the pie is still growing. I think mm. when the pie stops growing, hmm. that's when it will. Mm. Start, but I don't think we're there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kickstarters aren't slowing down. No. DM skill is still no. massive. Yes. The, yeah. The the market is still growing. And this is no, in spite of like things being quite difficult financially for a lot of people. Mm. I think I think because role-playing games offer so much escapism, and you mm. can just buy one book, and that can last you years, years and years. Yeah, right? role-playing games have been, have been more protected in some industries yeah. throughout the pandemic and throughout some of the other stuff that's been going on. Mm-hmm. Now, that's for sure. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think we're at that point of saturation yet. Um, yeah, and I, I think the internet means that you can it have can so happen, many different right? niches. It can happen, but yeah. I think there's so many different niches with role-playing games. Mm. And as we discussed before, some games are for some people and not for I others. I think the variety now yeah. is far greater now than Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. There's more There's more different stuff out there. Yeah. Because basically, during the D20 club, it was all D20 stuff. Yeah. It's all using the same license. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, there's a million... There's a, there's a new RPG every day, at least mm. more yeah. than one, every single day. Yeah. Brand new RPGs. So, I don't know. I think there could be, what I will say as a caveat to that, I think there could come to a point where 5e powered rule sets mm. could start to become, you know, too numerous. Because you're starting to hear that quite a lot now as people say, Doctor Who, Lord of the Rings, you know, mm-hmm. powered by 5e. And mm. people are starting to push back against it a little bit. Yeah. And part of that is kind of, slightly gatekeeping in some places. Part of it is for mm. different reasons. Yeah. Part of it is from people who don't realise that those companies already do a non-5e version of those games as well, yes. if you want it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do, do, a, do a non-5e version of Doctor Who or Lord of the Rings so we can buy that. Well, we already did. Here's we what I prepared earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think stuff like Nathalup, I think that was an excellent way for designers to innovate because it offers a lot more flexibility. Mm. Mm. It's a huge new design space, which is just begging for people to fill it in. I mean, mm. certainly how I see it, it's like a good 90% of what I'm designing at the moment, which is something mm. I've previously said that I wouldn't do. Uh, the other 10%, of course, being um, japes, spite, and uh, I don't know, just... <laughs> Well, it's an important motivating factor, Jessica. <laughs> Being fueled by spite. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, the, yeah, that's my creative process. Please okay, don't forget. Right. The, the other factor I wanted to make, um, mention very quickly, and then we'll move on because mm. we, we, we are short on time. So, as well as, you know, lots of different types of games being made nowadays, mm-hmm. you're also seeing a lot of stuff from marginalised creators and from creators who probably wouldn't have made a game 20 years ago for various reasons. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Barriers yeah. to access are reduced, which is yeah, important. Yeah, and that, I think, contributes to it not being so much of a, a massive glut of the same stuff. You get so yeah. much more of a 
variety of stuff. Yeah, it doesn't feel necessarily like it's all the same things because you can take more risks. Mm. So it's like barriers for access are lower, which means different voices can enter, which exactly. increases variety and innovation. Of course, it's also increasing saturation, but then we've got this new stuff is bringing in people. So yeah, yeah. I don't think, like from what I can make out, that this dynamic is um, bad. Maybe it's not so good for Dungeons & Dragons, the fifth edition, which is probably why they're looking to make a new one. Mm. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, there's various reasons why they're trying to do that, I imagine. Yeah. But, yeah. Mm. but anyway, I hope we've answered. I don't know if we have answered the question well. I hope we have. So, Sky Jester, we will send you a copy of Orphan Shiffle Engine number one out in, the, out, in the, in, out in the post, and you'll get that very soon. And let's move on with that, with the news. Huzzah! Right. So, let's start with Kingmaker, shall we? Ah. The Adventure Path from... Pathfinder. Yes, being their most popular ever mm. adventure path. Yes. Came out, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. Mm. Couldn't tell you when. I've played through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we got to the end, actually. I think we got about three quarters of the way through, if I recall correctly. So we've known for a while that they're re-releasing it and revising it. Mm-hmm. And there's a Pathfinder 2E version coming out. Yeah, I think we talked about that mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and there's also a D and D five E bestiary and a Pathfinder one E bestiary, mm-hmm. so that you can play it with those systems also. Mm-hmm. So they've now Pfizer has now opened pre-orders for this revised version. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there's it's quite a lot of stuff. There's thirteen products available that you can pick up. Mm-hmm. Now you probably wouldn't want all of them. No, but you can pick up the the core adventure path, obviously. Yep. which is for Pathfinder 2, and a special edition of it. I don't know what the difference is. I assume it's just got extra content or something. But then you get the first edition bestry, the fifth edition bestry. You get a companion guide, a special edition companion guide, a kingdom management screen, a kingdom management tracker, a post about folio, a pawn box, and three map sets. Wow. A whole load of stuff that you can pre-order right now. Amazing. That so sounds you- like a hell of a lot of stuff. Yeah. So much so, they've, they've set up an actual website for it, pathfinderkingmaker.com. You've got to go there to buy all this stuff. How much, how much is all that? Yeah. Uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> if you bought all of it, <laughs> if you bought all of it, a lot. Yeah, yeah I um, imagine. I did, I did see someone say it's about $150 if you just wanted to get the uh, Adventure Path and the Best Tree for one of the other systems. It's yeah. about $150, so it's not cheap. And that's still not counting any other stuff. I, I thought you meant it was $150 for the whole lot of that then. I was like, that's actually amazing. That would be <laughs> like, good, yeah. yeah that yeah, would yeah. be good. Yeah, I, that yeah. was ridiculous. I was like, I'm not even sure I want it, but I might just get it if that's the price. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So, Alcat Games did a video game of it mm-hmm. a while back. Nice. Okay. So, this expansion includes content from that as well. Okay. So, presumably, they created new content for the video game, and that's now sort of coming back into the actual tabletop version of it. I have some news about... Um, Brandon Sanderson. Oh, yes, yes. Um, are we familiar with Brandon Sanderson? The author. I believe he is an author. He is an author. Of I books. have not personally oh. read his books, but he writes the Stormlight Archive novels. Yes. Mistborn. And earlier this year, he had a Kickstarter for new novels, which became the most funded Kickstarter of all time, made like $40 million or something. It was massive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He made a lot of... Uh... A lot of top, a lot of tweeters tweet about it on um, Twitter. Mm. Yes, yeah, that was big. Yeah. That was big. It was so. Big. Company called Brotherwise Games, which yeah. is known mainly for uh, board games. I don't know the board games, but Call to Adventure and Unearth. Are you familiar oh. with these games? Nope. Oh, okay. 
have announced via a Twitch stream earlier this week with Brandon Sanderson on the stream mm. that there will be an official Stormlight RPG. Mm. Oh, okay. I know so that there's like a bunch of Stormlight Archives minis going on at the moment. Yes. So that yeah. the, it's, the stream was mainly about that. Yeah. It was mainly about their minis, mm. but the RPG news kind of got slipped in there. Mm. Um, and they announced that. So this will be their first tabletop RPG because they are more about minis and so on. And um, uh, board mm. games. Yeah. And there's almost no other information about it, other than that they haven't decided on the system they're going to use yet, whether they're going to make a new one, use an existing system, or anything like that. So it's somewhere. like 2024 is expected to come out. So they Yeah, so they're going to live stream apparently yeah. in 2023, and it's going to come out in 20... Live stream? Um, crowdfund in 2023, and it will come out in 2024, apparently. So in development currently. So what what is the Stormlight stuff? Does anyone know? Do you know, Peter? Oh, no, I haven't read it. Uh, I've read uh-huh. Steelheart, by the I read the first book of the Mistborn series, mm-hmm. which was fairly interesting. It's about people who, if they take a solution of a given metal into their body, it helps give them superpowers, essentially. Hmm. Which I mostly quite liked, except for some bits where I was like, it's an amalgam! It's <laughs> copper and brass! Copper, mm. copper and bronze makes brass. No, copper and tin. No, copper and zinc makes brass. And copper and tin makes bronze. And it's like... Durr. Anyway, um, as opposed to the others, which were elemental metals. I digress. I didn't really care for the second book because it had the... Sadly, uh, we're going to have a plot which is based upon the characters not talking to each other and just being really emotionally thick. I'm like, no, thank you. Uh, so what I have Still Heart was really good. That is basically, what is Superman but evil? And that's been quite fun. So, yeah. Seems like a very popular chap. But the short answer to the question is no, then. I haven't read Stormlight Archives. <laughs> okay. No, I'm we don't know anything about it. Work. But I'm sure uh, a lot okay. of people do and perhaps are excited to walk around in that world. Yeah. Uh, an awful lot of people, clearly, because he's a very, very, very popular author. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Segwaying from Peter's conversation about metal, mm-hmm. um, I will talk about uh, Iron Sworn. <laughs> Yes. Iron is also metal. Tenuous, okay. <laughs> yes, as always. Uh, but yeah, Iron Starforged. Yes. Uh, RPG. So it picked up many any awards. That rhymes. Many any. That's nice. Right. Uh, anyway, and they have uh, following that they have a distribution deal with Modiphius. So Modiphius mm. are, are like, we'll sell this for you. And Sean Tomkin, who made it, was like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. That's literally, I'm sure, exactly how the conversation went. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but Modiphius are making a deluxe hardcover edition of the game and nice. a spiral-bound reference guide and asset deck, and it's going to be available this autumn. So between sometime between now and Christmas, they're going to have it released, and it'll be available on Modiphius's website and hopefully at your friendly local retail store. Well, for those of us who don't know what Iron Swan Starforged is, what is Iron Swan Starforged? Well, it's a science fiction version of Iron Swan. Well, yes. So yeah. you are a space-born hero. Right. In a perilous quest, exploring uncharted space, unraveling secrets of a mysterious galaxy, Ooh. and uh, making friends with people you travel around with, and you wear you will swear ironclad vows and see them fulfilled no matter the cost. Ooh. Dun dun dun. Does sound fun. I'm, read, I'm reading here that it's going to be a deluxe hardcover. Mm-hmm. It's a standalone system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, three different modes of play, which is standard play with a GM, a GMless co-op and a solo play rule set. Nice. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I've not played it, but mm. it's been very well reviewed. It's got lots mm-hmm. of any awards. So I think that might be one for me to take a look at. Highly spoken of, certainly. Yeah, the Kickstarter yeah. did really well mm. in May last year. 
like yeah. three hundred and forty thousand dollars. Yeah. So nice. it's a thing. Yeah. So D and D kids after school clubs. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Wizards of the Coast has launched this new program. Yeah. And it's for like teachers and educators mm-hmm. to start clubs at schools. For D and D, and so the uh, the, the kits, uh, schools, libraries, uh, community centres, you know, various different types of organisations. But mm-hmm. um, the kits include you get the Dragons of Stormwreck Isles starter set. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get some instructions and stuff for club organisers. Yes. You get a quick demo and learn to play guide for DMs, character mm-hmm. cards, and you get a free poster to promote your club. Well, there you go. Just kind of nice. cool. Yeah. Also, in addition to this, because that's for after school clubs, there's also a D&D class curriculum. And these are free digital packets which allow teachers to include D&D in their class lessons. I think it's a way of gamifying mm. learning. So. I guess, yeah. yeah. A, a so friend? this is... Mm. Yeah, so this is for ages 9 to 12 and 11 to 14. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, free webinars and stuff. Um, you can register via the International Literary Association. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that is, but I assume educators do. Yeah. Uh, well, certainly yeah. not something that we're unfamiliar with. For instance, at UK Games Expo, there was mm. a stand dedicated to running D&D for children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Get yeah. them while they're young. I think yeah, that's, that's a nice initiative as well. I think yeah. a friend of mine is a teacher and they did something like, it wasn't, D&D specifically, but they did a thing where the kids had characters and they were able to level up when they did well on tests and things like that. Mm. So they tried to gamify learning in that way. Yeah. I can't remember. I there was more to it than that. It was quite cool. I, yeah. But, yeah. I don't know if that's just in the US or this international because mm-hmm. the website what I know doesn't specify. Of, well, from what I know of the UK curriculums, you can't just insert stuff like that into the curriculum. That's no. very, very heavily regulated and managed, isn't it? So yeah. I don't know how that would work. I don't mm-hmm. know. Poorly. Yeah, this is the D&D classroom curriculum looks to be based around US things, mm. which would be different. But yeah. Um, yeah. But the after school clubs, presumably, yeah. Let's buy some magic rings. Oh, yes, that sounds much more like <laughs> From GameStop. You can buy a box set of wearable <laughs> magic rings from sizes 8 to 12. Oh, I think I've seen these. They've got like all sorts of freaky looking rings, don't they? I love how they say oh. wearable, as if you'd be like, well, <laughs> this is not clearly wearable, for... Yeah. I don't know what. <laughs> Display purposes only. Yeah. Yeah, Can't keep it okay. its plastic wrapper. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, lovely bit of costume jewellery. So there's recall. six rings. Yeah. You get a ring of spell turning, a ring of fire resistance, a ring of x-ray vision, a ring of spell storing, a ring of three wishes, and a ring of telekinesis. And you get a cardboard box and a certificate of authenticity. And do they work? Yes, I'm sure they do. Yeah, I was about to say, because yes. the set <laughs> is only like $40. So if they work, that's... I mean, what a deal. Wow. A ring of three wishes for $40. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That is a good, good deal. Yeah, that is really good. Yeah. Well, you can get those from GameStop. Yep. GameStop, where all your dreams can come true. Mmm. 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 Yeah. But if you don't want magic rings, you could instead buy a life-sized quasit made out of resin. Oh, uh, which one's a quasit? It's like a sort of froggy-like thing with horns. That's a really good description, yeah. An imp type thing. Here, let okay. me show you um, a picture. So what is a oh, life-size right. quasit then? How? What is the, the scale? 
of such a thing. Oh, it's a 22 inch cube yes. and it weighs 18 pounds. And oh, it costs wow. 475 yeah. American dollars. That's like how much yeah. my dog was to purchase. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that, but the maintenance costs lower. I imagine, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. About the same size as your dog as well, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Although Django uh, is far more handsome. That's fair. Django, yeah, I can't, I can't, <laughs> cannot disagree with that. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, well, there you go. You can buy rings and you can buy a closet, should you wish to do so. Well, mm. neither I, of which are actually tabletop RPGs. They're just branding tabletop, yes. stuff. But do you yeah, know well. what is a tabletop RPG that you can purchase? Go on. As a one bookshelf, are doing print on demand copies of D and D three point five. Also linked to what I was saying earlier with my book. Yes. Um, mm. But yeah, so they've had the PDF versions available, but um, the uh, physical books, you haven't been able to buy print on demand for a while, but you, now you can. Mm. Um, yeah, they're about... very good. Yeah, it's between like 20 and $35, depending on, on which one you get and stuff, or yeah. if you get a bundle or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah if you want to play 3.5, there you go. They're just cheap. So, wow. Okay. On print on demand as well. Cracky. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty good, yeah. isn't it? So if if you like, I know three point five gets a lot of hate, and then it also some people really like it. So I don't know why because it was bloody popular at the time. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, online, whenever I've heard about it, I've heard a lot of. Lot, but I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe I, it's I, just because I'm on the internet and there's just a lot of negative stuff on there. I, I think three point five was a was yeah. a popular system, and it's kind of been replaced very much now. But there's yeah, no but, hate for it. Yeah. Know. Yeah, like mm. fourth edition gets a lot of hate because it was yeah. very much unlike three point five. Um, yeah, yeah three point five is fine, and of course good. Pathfinder is a modified version of three point five. Yeah, there we go. I mean, probably the worst thing I have to say about three point five is it's not fifth edition. So yeah, <laughs> uh, which go. is not 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 really much of a downside for many mm. people. I'm really so. Right. The TSR news update. Alright, we've got a minor TSO uh, news update. Very minor, though. Oh, dear. Go on. Send in the part clowns. Of the, <laughs> part of the uh, Starfighter's New Genesis mm-hmm. lawsuit that's going on. Both parties have agreed that until the hearing, mm-hmm. because the, the hearing had to be postponed for scheduling reasons, yep. both parties have agreed... That a new TSR cannot sell, promote, advertise, market, offer, or distribute any iteration of the Star Frontiers New Genesis product. Now, this is like a voluntary agreement between the parties, which has been entered into the case. So, until order to do that, they've come to that agreement Um, until next month, like October twenty eighth, is when they're having their injunction meeting. Aren't, aren't they like still selling like a deck of cards or something? If they stop doing that, they are. Oh. Yeah. So, so they've already broken actually, the agreement. Okay, well, that's so. not actually the Star Frontiers New Genesis product. Oh, okay. So technically, I suppose, they haven't broken that agreement. <laughs> Although you could argue, I suppose, that it does advertise mm-hmm. the Star Frontiers New Genesis product, I guess. I don't know. Peter, look at you here stirring the pot. Wizards of the Coast will hear this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Wizards of the Coast know exactly what's going on. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I am. I think they have a an interest in in this situation. But mm. yeah, so basically, next month at the end of next month, we'll get some more news on that. Well, hopefully, yeah. I mean, unless it gets delayed again, these things, you know, lawsuits are just God, such slow paces, don't they? But the good but, news is we don't have to hear anything about Star Frontiers New Genesis from them for a month. So woo, that's a win. At least, uh, yeah, at least, uh, <laughs> at least theoretically. <laughs> well. <laughs> 
<laughs> Unless they do something crashingly stupid. Mm. I want the chance to Peter, that. that wouldn't happen. <laughs> no, that does not seem like Peter. That would be out of character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. shocking. I, I, I absolutely, the flawless judgment they've demonstrated so far. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I don't have any more news, so I don't know if we have... No, me I think we could be done on the news. Unless we have any Kickstarters that we would like to Um, highlight, I... uh, Okay, I've got one that I might mention. Mm. Good. It's called Starlight Arcana. It's a 5B astral supplementing campaign. Mm. And to me, basically, with Spelljammer out, it looks like it's good timing with this. Mm. So this is kind of like... 500 pages of D&D 5e in space. Yep. It's got new ancestries, subclasses, a campaign, and monsters, planets you can explore, a new school of magic called Starlight, which has 50 spells in it. Ooh. So it's quite, a, it's quite a chunky old book, though, and it's doing well. It's done mm-hmm. um, 122 um, euros, 122,000 euros, that is, 22 euros, right. 122,000 <laughs> euros with a week yeah. to go. So it's doing pretty well. Yeah. yeah. And it does look... Interesting. I like their tagline they've got of your very own Hitchhiker's Guide to the 5e Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. That's a good exactly. tagline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That does look pretty good. Yeah, nice. Yeah. By the you two spotted any Kickstarters you'd like to mention? There's one that appears to be making a reference to Paul Revere, but I'm not sure if that's particularly useful. No, no. It's mine. My Kickstarter is coming out on Tuesday. Your Kickstarter. Yes. yes. Your Kickstarter is... Uh, one if by land, two if by sea, three if by air, which mm. is offering vehicles, enhancements and enchantment, enhancements, enchantments, enchantments. <laughs> enchantments. I don't know what enchantment is, but it does, <laughs> definitely has enchantments, ways to customize and put the high octane into your high fantasy games to shift your game into a higher gear. I could keep on going with tired vehicle metaphors, but I will not. You're very welcome. And it's just designed to be very easy very nice to just slip into your game and it's got stuff like stunt rules so that your high level marshals are able to use vehicles to a greater effect uh, and just just a little something extra just to go with your A5E games and there there's like tokens, portraits and the art is absolutely gorgeous I've seen the cover and I am delighted by it so yeah um, I'm okay. hoping I've got 124 people following the Kickstarter page at the moment which is nearly double what I've had previously, so I'm very excited about it and um, looking forward to getting that out there. Mm. Okay. Where are you dressed? Anything you think? Yeah, um, it says Heroes of Cerulea, which Ooh. is a pixelated dungeon crawl. So it's like really nice. heavily influenced by the old school Zelda games like that you'd have. It reminds me of like when you're playing on like the uh, Mega Drive or something like that. It looks a bit like that. Um, mm. But yeah, and you're, it's like a classic little lo-fi dungeon crawl. You've got to solve puzzles, fight monsters, gather keys, find the items. So it's like if you were playing Zelda but as a role-playing game. It looks sure. pretty cool. Um, so yeah, and it's quite light on the rules, which is why it appeals to me. So you've just got like three attributes that you have. Um, the character sheet's just like one page, fairly simple, and you've got the hearts for your like, health, like in Zelda. And uh, yeah, all the artwork's all like pixelated, like if, if you'd get in an old, you know, kind of retro Mega Drive book that came with it. Yeah, it just looks really cool, looks really nicely made, really strong theme, ah. really easy to play. Marvel. Okay, D4 based system. Okay, it's actually a tabletop role playing game as opposed to a computer game. Oh, yeah, just, yeah, it's it's a tabletop yeah. RPG, but it's mm. inspired by a digital RPG, like like a Zelda type thing. Yes, I, I quite like the way they've done the cover design. 
It's a yeah. hardback book, and it looks like a N sixty four cartridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It just okay. looks yeah. really nicely made. It looks, it looks yeah. quite lovingly made. It's got a strong idea. Um, no, absolutely. Yeah, and you can get the book. See at the table. You can get the book, mm. the PDF, and the digital stretch goals for about twenty four pounds. So yeah. it's not okay. No. They're doing pretty well on the old. Uh, on the old raising money front, they got what triple their goal, so nice one. Yeah, this one that this is not such good news because I think it looks really cool. So this is by Todd Crapper, who used to go by the username the Warden on um, on the internet, and he's releasing a book called Campaign Options Mazes, which is a guide to building and running fantasy mazes. Uh, mazes? Mazes mm. in D&D 5e. So it feels like it would tie in quite well with our Dungeon Delver's Guide. Yeah. Now, the reason I'm mentioning it is not only because it does look quite cool, it does look quite cool, mm. but it's really not going well. And um, well. he's just posted a uh, Kickstarter update. He's got 10 days to go. He had you know an $11,000 um, goal in Canadian dollars, and it's made just under 2,000 so far with 10 days to go. So it doesn't look like it's going to make it, but I think it would be awesome if it did. Yeah. Um, and he's just posted a um, uh, Kickstarter update saying, that this isn't going well. I don't think it's going to make it. Um, you know. I'm surprised. It looks really good. I'm it's surprised because it does yeah. look good. It does look good. I, I'm just assuming something went awry with the marketing or something like that. Mm. So, I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, I hadn't either no. before you just so, said. It's just mm. got loads of cool mazes in that you can just plop into your game. So that could be... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I just wanted to give it a call out. I think it, maybe it is too late to save this one, but, you know. They've got vision points and... It is a shame. Yeah, oh, I, quite, I quite like the vision point cool. idea because yeah. one of the things I enjoy about virtual tabletops is that you can control what players can see often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they've got a similar idea here. Yeah. So looking at what's in here, so we've got about 140 pages. So chapter one is uh, creation. Everything you need to build a maze from scratch, including a random maze generator. Yeah. Maze templates, more than 50 maze templates in chapter two. Chapter three, a whole bunch of creatures and monsters. Chapter four is all character options, including a new class, skills, spells, feats, and all that usual stuff. Chapter five is equipment. Chapter six is called The Endless Path, which is a brand new maze adventure. So it's got a lot of useful stuff in there. It yeah. does look cool. And I think it's, it's a real shame. A real shame. And it's got Dyson Lumos doing the cartography. So yeah, um, yeah. I was about yeah. to say because they amazing maps. They do some stuff for good. us as well, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna back this one. Yeah, yeah, do it. I don't know if I'll actually get it because I don't know whether it will make it. But mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna back it anyway. Yeah, and just hope. Yeah, they've got a pledge option for like a five five dollars as well. So they've got some really low stuff if you just yeah. want to. Seven hundred and fifty dollars. No, I can't. I can't go back. But <laughs> you don't want to be a wicked mastermind of grew intentions. <laughs> And of course, oh, yeah. another Kickstarter that has 10 days to go is the Dungeon Delver's Guide. Yeah! Which is going quite well. We're just a couple of grand shy of getting Twinet's stretch goal uh, for the online dungeon generator. So that's that's going well. But we've talked about mm. this a lot on previous episodes, so I won't keep talking about it again. So we're not constantly yeah. plugging our stuff. But it is still going okay. for 10 days. That's right. Cool. And it's exciting. Uh, what, what is the Dungeon Delver's Guide standing at at the moment? What stretch goals have been and what? Just about to hit 140,000 mm-hmm. pounds. Wow. And so nice. that will unlock mm-hmm. the... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sentenced to... I'm on 10 hertz. I'm so excited. 
Uh, the Ruin. The Ruins. So, Ooh. so far, um, so for the online dungeon generator, we've unlocked the, the, the Bastion, the Cavern, the mm. Laboratory, the Mine, the Exhibit, the Ruin, and then after that we have the Sewer. Because who doesn't want to run around sewage? Well, sensible people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would be hypocritical if I said I didn't make my players often go into sewers because, yeah. I don't know, spelunking and so forth. Yeah. But I should, I should tell people, do not actually go down into sewers. It's a really dangerous, really terrible idea. And smells really bad. Um, if you're lucky, uh, or if not, you get the hydrogen sulfide and then you die. Nice. Yeah, it's even smell. If you're really lucky. Well, yeah, yeah. What a cheerful way to end the news section. So yeah, yeah so yeah. we've got we've got three stretch goals going: sewer, temple, and tomb coming. But we've got one more secret stretch goal after that. If we make it that far, I don't know if we will. Woo-hoo. One more I secret believe. stretch goal. Oh yeah, <coughs> I I forgot what it was as well. I was looking at you like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> We should have talked. We should have talked about this. But no, no I, do, I don't. Know if we make it that far, yeah. I think we will. I hope so. Right, that's the news done. We're done the news. <clears throat> well, uh, thank you for meeting with me. We always have time for our favourite accountant. What can we do for you, my friend? Um, well, you've uh, looted over a dozen uh, tombs, temples, layers, ruins, and uh, sewers. Um, uh, this year, um, and I need to review the, the tax implications with you. Tax implications? What tax implications? Well, um, as you know, it is my job to keep the book straight and ensure you avoid any, you know, unnecessary entanglements. Indeed. And a fine job you do. Thank you. Um, so, uh, over 14 uh, excursions, uh, you've gathered over 38,000 gold, seven holy artifacts, 26,000 worth of gems and jewellery, four valuable paintings, uh, a tapestry, and a, 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 a spoon. Ah, I call dibs on the spoon. Hey, that's not fair. Uh, now, by my calculations, uh, the value of this combined treasure hoard is uh, 129,350 gold. Yes. Get it. Oh, indeed. It is a mighty haul and, uh, you know, one to be proud of. So, what exactly is the problem? Well, um, I've I've served up your uh, tax obligations, as it's my job. Uh, yes, yes. I've uh, included the usuals, you know, hat tax. That. Uh, capital gains, uh, religious tithes on, you know, holy artifacts, licensing fees for magic items, you know, stand, standard business rates. Uh, there's the hot air balloon tax. I did say we should have gone by ship. And um, it turns out, uh, over the course, you know, of the year, uh, you have made um, uh, a loss of uh, uh, 19,000 gold. What? What? Well, your, your kind of legal obligations have kind of, you know, exceeded your uh, earnings, To you know, to put it simply. But how can that be possible? We slew the foul bladder beast of the southern swamp. We recovered the dragon horde of the greater fire tyrant of the Partridge Dunes. Uh, yes, uh, yes, you know, but... Uh, and, and we dismembered the demon octopus of Latvia. Twice. So how could we end up losing money? Well, you see, uh, so tomb raiding isn't the most, you know, tax-efficient of activities. You know, sure, there's, you know, piles of shiny loot, you know, the gems. <laughs> so much loot. So shiny. Uh, yes, uh, but but these days, you know, you're better off with a more delicate financial instrument. You know, hedge funds and trusts, offshore accounts. Listen here, you cannot roll around in a hedge fund. 
You can't run around in a hedge, though. That's true. Okay. Um, have you considered some more, you know, kind of fixed income securities? A few derivative instruments, you know, engaging the spot of amortization of a, you know, prudent asset allocation. I don't even know what those words mean. It sounds like you're just making this all up. Uh, look, you know, I know what I'm talking about. So your insistence on murder hobbying and dungeon robbery just doesn't cut it in this day and age. It's old fashioned and, you know, it's simply just not competitive in today's financial climate. Not competitive? Competitive in today's financial climate? What in the 1930s are you blathering on about? We are adventurers, heroes of the realm. We fight evil and save the world most days before breakfast. Uh, we have no time for tax regulations and, 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 and financial instruments. Look, you hired me as your accountant. I'm just doing my job. Wait, is... Is that a false moustache? What? N- no. You're no accountant. Yes, I am. You, you're, you're, you're a... A rogue! Why, you devious? Okay, okay, okay. It is fair cop. It is me, Billy. You, you're, you know, you're party rogue. Trying to swindle us out of our hard-earned treasure? Well, you know, it's kind of in my job description. You're supposed to steal from your enemies. Not your allies. Why, I should disintegrate you where you stand. Well, wait, 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 wait. Look, look, I know I did wrong. I can make it up to you. How? Yes, how? Well, what if I invested your treasure hoard into a liquid index fund diversifying across sustainable asset management to avoid depreciation and prioritise buy and hold allocation in emerging markets and blue chip stock? Hmm. Yes, that does sound legit. I'm Egg Embry for Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This is Five Minutes at DragonCon. I'm here with Jody Black of Pinnacle Entertainment. And Jody, let's talk about what y'all have next for crowdfunding. Oh my gosh, I only have five minutes? Okay, well, five minutes. Okay, what we have next is we're going to do another game changer on our own platform on our site. So peginc.com, click on the game changer blue button. And then you're going to see all of our game changers there. So you can go and you can support some of the stuff that we have not sent out yet. So you can still pledge for things like um, Curse of the Crimson Throne. You can still get in on that. Uh, You can still get in on our Superpowers Companion. We're going to ship that hopefully before you you run this. Um, So any of those can actually be shipped together. So you actually add your Superpowers Companion to your Curse of the Crimson Throne. It's all good, baby. Anyways, (laughs) next. Next we've got for Lost Colony, Deadlands. Mm -hmm. Deadlands in Space. It's Far Future. Um, Think the Expanse. This is a plot point campaign where you're going to go up against Famine. And I hope I don't have any players listening. Oh, well. So it's a little too late for that. Anyway, so it's called Maw of Oblivion. And uh, hopefully the name alone will sell it to you. But Mm -hmm. if not, go read the sizzle text. It'll be on the Game Changer soon. So that is the next thing we're going to launch. And then after that, we're going to be doing stuff in October. We love October because we love horror things. And there's nothing scarier than Mm -hmm. our setting for, like, East Texas University. A lot Mm -hmm. of people are familiar with that. Um, It started also with, like, Pine Box as the town itself. So if you go back to our website, you'll see some of the older products for Pine Box. So we're going back to Pine Box. It is not ETU Middle School. It is Pine Box Middle School because we're not putting the college students in the middle school, except for as, like, teacher's assistants sometimes. 
Okay, so thank your kids on bikes. You're going to have some fun um, being middle schoolers and being scared, you know, out of the crap of you. Um, it is modern day, so this is not like Stranger Things. You have your cell phones, but we have mechanics where sometimes you just don't have enough bars to reach everybody. That's a problem. There's also, I mean, it's so cute, y'all, and the art is fantastic. I can't wait. My kids are are so excited about this. They've this been watching an this. Yeah, this is definitely an all ages setting. Um, my girls have been playing this. They actually ran a middle school aged adventure back in like 2009. I don't know. It's been a long time, but yeah. <laughs> so they're super excited about this. I can't wait to see Pine Box Middle School. For our East Texas University line, you could call it also like 12 to midnight, that that line, basically. So that's going to be coming out. We're also doing the Horror Companion, finally, for Savage Worlds. Did I actually say Savage Worlds before this? I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we make stuff for Savage Worlds. <laughs> so that okay. that's kind of important. Anyway, so, yeah, so also in October, we're going to be doing the Horror Companion for Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. Lots of people have been looking forward to that. So I can't wait. Um, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. And like I said before, with the Game Changer platform, you can add any of that stuff to ship together. So international friends who keep complaining about the shipping, dear friends, I love you and I am trying. I'm doing my best. You know, we understand um, shipping is just a crap situation Indeed. out there. So you can just make it cheaper overall by adding stuff together. You're getting your PDFs immediately. You'll get your shipped you know, product when it shows up, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, pay less overall by backing it on our Game Changer platform or at least handling it as a pledge manager on our Game Changer platform. So game changer it's like our newest thing and i think it's doing great for us okay i'm coming let up me, towards the end yes let go me ahead ask this for the game changer um that's on your actual website yes it is on our actual website so if you go to peginc.com so p-e-g-i-n-c.com you're going to see a button there to the right that says game changer and we called it game changer because it's it's like it's like kickstarter but on our own website and you can add anything else from our website into that order. So if you wanted, say, a set of bennies from Space 1889, if we still have that in stock, my God. You know, like you can add that to your order because it'll show up on our website if we still have that in stock. Please, <laughs> I did not check to see if we have that in stock. But <laughs> that, is, that is what I you know, just pulled off the top of my head. It's like, uh, maybe we have that, maybe we don't. You can always add a copy of Savage Worlds Adventure Edition. And you're always going to need another copy of that. Yes. So, yeah, well, these are exciting things. Indeed. Well, thanks for talking with me. Appreciate it and hope you have a good rest of the convention. Good to see you. And we're at Dragon Con. Woo! Indeed. Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going. Subscribe at patreon.com slash morris. There, I said it. Can you stop staring at me like that now? The things I do. All right, all right. Don't forget patreon.com slash morris can i go now so this week because last week was all about 
GM styles I felt really left out because I don't really GM games. This week, I thought we'd talk about being a player in a tabletop RPG because that's what mm. I am. And and I more specifically, I thought about how to how to be a good player mm. at a table. And by good, mm-hmm. you're not like referring to like being really great at the rules or being really talented at something. You're talking about how to participate in a productive way. Correct. So I mean mm. like turning up and not making everyone hate you when you leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how to be a good person, isn't it? I think. I, well, yeah. I mean, a lot of how to be a good player is is just like understanding the social dynamic and responding correctly at a table. Mm. You know, um, that can be tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think it's it's quite important to point out that players come in different types, mm-hmm. shapes and sizes, as it were, and some people aren't necessarily as comfortable acting or yeah. role-playing or as gregarious as other people or things like that. That's not what we're talking about. Correct. It's definitely not saying, oh, you're quite quiet, therefore you're not a good player. Correct. That's not, definitely not what we're saying. It's. I think you can be quite quiet and still be an excellent player. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. Well, because one of the first yeah. things I think is around like scheduling is, mm. you know, which I think it's one of those common annoying things. Like so- sometimes, you know, if you have a date that you all arrange to meet up and play a game and then you can't make it, the bare minimum thing to do is to tell everybody you're not going to make it. Oh. Even if it's like half an hour before you're meant to start because something's but happened. As you say, a lot of yeah. this is just how to how to just interact socially in the world, isn't it? It's yes. Not, <laughs> this is kind of D&D related or anything. Maybe we can make it more, but that was kind of the I, first, I'm yeah. hearing a lot of laughing going on and yet... Um, I have access to the internet, and people assure me that this is not, in fact, widespread. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think if you're tra- if it's a group of people, yeah. and people think mm. it doesn't matter that much if I don't turn up, because they'll just carry on without me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're meeting one person for a drink or something, it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but if it's a group of people, they think they probably think there's no real consequence to me not turning up, mm-hmm. I guess. But then if everyone does that, yeah. you're left with the GM just sitting there on their own, wondering where everybody is. So. Yeah. I think um, another thing as well, which also comes under just... And these first things I'm going to talk about are general just like social rules, is to thank your GM for playing afterwards, to send a little note saying something, or just like a text, being like, oh, thanks for running the session. I have fun today. Because I think GMs put in a lot of work and it can be quite a thankless job sometimes. And because you have just... Yeah. Don't send hate mail to your GM after the game. Correct. Don't send hate mail to anyone. Yeah. General. But especially your GM. But especially your GM. Well, yeah. not if you want to have a game. Yeah. It's pretty dispiriting when you have a bad session and you're just like, oh, I am the worst GM in the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's kind of another thing. And one thing I think as well about, I don't know if this comes down to, to play style as well, but I think mm. leaning into the style that your GM is playing and like, you know, kind of going along with things a little bit, like I don't mean mm. 100%, but you know, sometimes you can tell when a GM's yeah. trying to give you a plot hook or a clue or a link if yeah. something's going on. I think sometimes I've seen some people be a bit contrary and purposely go the other way. It's like, well, mm. I, I want to do this over here. It's like people who are strenuously object to the very concept of railroading. Yeah. Yes. To the extent where they don't want to do anything that they feel that the adventure wants them to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. I understand if, if, if it's something your player wouldn't do, like if they're obviously trying to like, this is really shiny here and you could easily take it, but your character's very moral and wouldn't steal something, then... Of course, that's fine. But, yeah. you know, I just think sometimes you just kind of need to lean into it, which is, mm. and I also think that comes down to, because I, I, you know, there's a the classic thing people say, well, that's something my character wouldn't do. So that's, it's not my fault. But I think the mm. thing people 
you you designed your character you made all the choices for them they're not they're not a real person so i think mm. making a character that suits the story you're going into makes sense so so like your your gm's like oh we're gonna go on a campaign that's i've recently picked up the dungeon delver's guide by em publishing therefore i'm oh, going yeah. to run <laughs> a campaign down in a dungeon for example just something in, in my dungeon, mind yes and yeah. so if you then come to the table and be like oh i've made a character that's like a sentient plant and they they wouldn't want to go underground for long periods of time so I don't, i'm not going to do that mm. it's like why 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 would you do that but i've seen yeah, people yeah. do stuff like that so it's like make sure you build a character that wants to be in in the the story you're telling and that can be for any game because if you're playing mm. like a really kind of rules like narrative game or something maybe don't make this kind of combat monkey that's only really going to have fun when you're doing combat as well mm. so i think making making a character that that wants to be at the table and has a reason to be there is really imp- is a responsibility of the of the player i think yeah mm. yeah that sort of but we should probably talk about restricting options in um, your games at a different point because mm-hmm. depending upon your setting that might be something you want to do mm. I feel we could probably talk about that so I guess there's sort of a an inherent need for there to be like this dynamic between the narrator and the players mm-hmm. where the narrator is proposing plot hooks and the players have to find a reason within their character to engage with it yeah yeah so I will obviously now take the opportunity to talk about Advanced First Edition, as it is my favourite <laughs> game. Yeah. But I think I found like has someone running a game, things like the Destiny systems are very useful for that. Mm-hmm. It's like an inherent plot hook. You uh, can hope that because your players have made a choice to choose specific destinies, that's the sort of things they're going to engage with. So if they if they've chosen the underdog destiny, then hopefully if you waggle the prospect of fighting tyranny in their faces, they're going to be after that. If they've chosen the mercenary destiny, then they will be motivated more by money. Hmm. That's true, yeah. And you can communicate that to your game master as well, so they kind of know, yeah, yeah like you say, Ooh. where to, to lead you in that sense. Yeah. Another <laughs> thing I might say is about being um, engaged when you're on the table, even when you're not doing a thing. Because we talked about Ooh. before how in D&D 5th edition, especially during combat, it can feel a bit like you're waiting for your turn sometimes. Yes, and that's a bugbear of mine about D&D combat. Is... Yeah, but I think if somebody sat there not engaged and then they're sat on their phone just scrolling through their phone mm. and not in the game and someone goes, um, it's your turn. You're like, oh, oh, right, okay, put their phone down and then suddenly they're back in it and their turn takes a longer time. And So I think just being present and on the table at all times during a game makes makes yeah, a big difference I, as well. Yeah, I, think, I think you've really identified a core thing. If someone's not present, it, it does mm-hmm. come across very strongly. Yeah. And... Like, you know, there's present and there's present. Like, Mm -hmm. sometimes not everyone's the same. Not everyone works the same way. Sometimes people playing with a phone, that's how they are able to actually keep their interest on the game. Because uh, ADHD is definitely a thing, and that is a way to do stuff. If someone's playing around, building dice towers and so forth, they may still be listening intently. Yeah, that's a very good point. And they just need to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, sort of when it's not your turn... Thinking about what you're going to do on your turn mm-hmm. is a helpful thing you can do yeah. to reduce the length of time you spend trying to make those decisions during your turn when there's a whole bunch of other people waiting for their turns. So on, on a turn-based game, kind of try not to make your turn take longer than it needs to take, I guess. is the Well, well that 
to be fair, goes right back to the points I have always been making about how it's important to be able to learn the rules. And the only reason it's worth learning the rules is if there's a consistent world for you to engage with. Because if the world, if the world consists of uh, blagging Peter to agree with your creative use of shape water, then why bother? I love that uh, game, learning. though. Yeah, yeah. What uh, can I, mean, I convince the GM of? It's one of my favourite games. Which, you know, is, is a, probably because you're very good at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I don't know how often I actually win that game, but <laughs> but I enjoy but, playing nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. nonetheless yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like some, something that you enjoy going with. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people, it can be excellent fun. So yeah, why not? But it's like if you're trying to engage with more complex rule systems, if players aren't invested enough to learn the rule systems... The cognitive load of the GM to have to learn mm-hmm. all of the rules, all of the monsters, all of the players' abilities, and all of the players' spells, mm-hmm. that's just ridiculous, mm. to be quite honest. So you'd say as a player, to know how to play your character, or know what's going on with your character sheet, would be a good thing as well. Well, yeah, but that's, again, part of the unspoken conversation, the, the meta-conversation mm-hmm. between players and GMs, because if your GM doesn't, pay attention to that sort of thing or they overrule it or they say, nah, I don't like it, then you as a player are disincentivized from learning the rules or being engaged with it. And conversely, if they are very keen on the rules, then I guess that's something that you're interested in. Yeah. But yeah, that's just one of those things, really. Another thing I was I just thought of as well is with players on the table because I'm what I was what I'm trying to think of now is when have I had a bad experience on a table Ooh. and it's because of the other players? and uh, because this could be fun i'll ask you both afterwards and one of those times for me because because i think the the lesson learned from this is let other people play their character because i was sat on a table and i was playing uh, a system i'm not going to name anything because i might make it obvious what it was i was playing a system i hadn't played before and i said i sat down i said hey i've not played this before i've made a character i don't think it's very optimized but i'm happy to to play it that way and it's just this is their thing and all the rules were correct like i hadn't done anything wrong but it was just it wasn't the most optimal build of a character and so I was doing stuff. So like on my turn, I'll be doing a thing in combat. And the person next to me, I think it was coming from a place of trying to be helpful. But it mm. didn't land there because they kept going, oh, well, on your turn, you should do X, Y, and Z because you got this thing. Mm. And I'll be like, okay, I could do that. Thank you. I'm actually going to do ABC because mm. I, I want to. And they're like, no, but that's not right because you should do X, Y, and Z because da, da, da. And then had a mm. long kind of few minute rant uh, about why that was more optimal thing to do. Mm-hmm. That's not a great thing to do as a player. <laughs> yeah. So that was nah. one of my more negative experiences on a table with somebody trying to tell me how to play my character. Mm. Yeah, that, that feels very similar great. to the concept of quarterbacking in board games. Yes, it's a hundred percent that. Yes, so mm. so yeah. Let, I mean, sure, you can always give some people advice because if they're new, like I, I, you know, if you go, oh, I don't know if you knew the rule work this way, but you could actually do this if you wanted. Mm. Is, yeah. I think yeah. my general rule is. If- Wait for people to ask for advice before offering unsolicited advice, because mm-hmm. generally speaking, ninety percent of the time, yeah, it will be unwelcome advice. Well, yeah, yeah, it's just. I mean, speaking from my side of things, sometimes it's like you do want to give advice, even if it's not asked for. A game I was in, there was a guy playing a barbarian, kept on swinging and missing. I'm like, you know, you can reckless attack to give yourself advantage, right? And I guess because they hadn't asked for it, they just decided to ignore the point. But, I mean, whenever I play a barbarian, I'm like, huh, why wouldn't I reckless attack? Because they'll hit you lots. Good. 
Mm. Uh, Russ, that's me doing my job. Do you have any exper- bad experiences on a table because of a player? I mean, I until like the pandemic here, I barely played. I jammed all the time, mm-hmm. so I haven't really got an awful well, sort of wealth of experiences to draw on in that sense. Um, but in terms you've only of had as... excellent GMs and brilliant players to play with, with. yeah. <laughs> so as a GM, though, what would be like? Your difficult player things, or do you have any difficult players? Do you know what okay, I mean? so players that like to challenge you constantly about stuff, mm. like like what, or, or, or challenge the story, or challenge the plot, or or, or stuff like that. When you um, say challenge, yeah. what do you mean? Do you mean like they say this is rubbish, or that seems really unlikely? No, no, sort of, sort of in character. So, for example, the sort of player that is going to argue strenuously with every NPC. Or every time you're, well, one of my pet peeves is always, every time you're in a situation where someone is negotiating what the reward is for a quest or something, oh, just no. arguing that beyond the point of that being interested, it's just mm. take the 50 gold and move on. It's, you yeah. know, it's, Here's you know, it's that's, that sort of thing. Yeah. And they can get quite, some people can get quite bullshit about that. And it's like, oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. Okay. So things like that yeah. tend to, tend to annoy me a little bit. I think we were talking about the Games Master the narrator has an editor sort of thing. And um, mm-hmm. that is a good good, good mindset, I think, to approach that sort of issue. Because if someone's insisting on arguing every single toss or they want to go through and roleplay every single mm-hmm. encounter when they're doing shopping, and yeah. you are not interested in that, then saying, yeah. you do that, what, what, it happens. Well, one of it's about buying into the situation. Though. So going back to that... Hmm. Sort of, we're talking about challenging and stuff. Yes. You've got to buy into the concept of the game. Yeah. And if you're not buying into it, you're just going to be disrupted. So if the concept of the game is you are hero saving the realm, Mm. don't ask the king what's in it for us. (laughs) And then try and force some kind of massive, you know, it's... That's like making making a character that wants to be there, yeah. Yeah, you're just being disruptive. Make a character that wants to be there, yeah. Mm But be part of the game, buy into it. I had this yeah. in a superhero game I did, and the person did, did come around to it. It's not negative on, on the person. Uh, so we were playing like superheroes. It was like Marvel stuff, so we're playing all these characters. And there was one player on the table, and they came and they said, I don't normally play heroes. I normally play kind of villain things, so this is going to be like a stretch and a challenge for me, but I want to do it. And they mm. kept trying to do things. And at the beginning, we'd they'd stop. We're like, yes, I'm going to just like kill this guy and do this. And we're like, oh, is that thing a hero doing? They're like no you're right so i'll just you know wound them oh. or something like this and they started doing it part way through the game as well they're like oh no wait i'm a hero i'll do this instead so you can oh. as a player kind of course correct yourself and be mm-hmm. the character you need to be mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah i'm trying to think of other behaviors but letting other people speak is a good thing P- people who hog to like right yeah i um, there's a tendency rightly or wrongly I don't know if, you, if you're going to be nodding along to this for us. Like, people are going along and you're trying to give someone who might not necessarily have the spotlight too much bit of time. And then suddenly, another player is next to them, jumping in and trying to make it happen. Mm. Like, uh, a real, and I was there too, sort of vibe. Is that familiar to you, Russ, Jess? Uh, I guess so. I can't think of a specific example offhand, but yeah, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that's been the case, yeah. Yeah, I've I've certainly had that, I think, as a player. Mm. What I've done as a player, I've been like, oh, I didn't think you were there. I thought you were in this place. Mm. I she just said that. So the part of the hogging a spotlight thing is I've had a couple of players over the years who would 
always play sort of roguelike characters mm. and always want to sneak off on their own and have like a 45 adventure on their own while mm-hmm. everyone was watching right? Yeah. and getting bored yeah. and waiting for their turn. And I, I always find that is basically a slightly disruptive style of play because it's not fair to the other people. Yeah. You're just demanding that the GM concentrate on you for 45 minutes. Yeah. It's not, but, well, well, it's not again, really that, fair. That, this, is, this is where the editing comes in because... Yeah, yeah, you, you have to... Yeah, but, but that's the point. You are, the... the player is forcing the GM to forcibly yeah. switch it, you know, it's it's just a, a, dyna- a social dynamic that just becomes awkward. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, I, I was just saying this is a way that you can actually turn it to your advantage, because whilst they're off doing stuff and what have you, you can take advantage of that to switch between to give you time to, like, interpret what's going on, especially if you're having yeah. to wing stuff. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're just basically listening annoying player traits at the moment. Yeah. Which is <laughs> a bit, uh, bit negative. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes it's annoying, sometimes it isn't. Like um, arguing about rules mechanics, it's something I personally try and avoid. Mm. It's like, I always try and preface things with, look, it's your game, isn't it? How you like, this is what the rules say. But yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Just to frame it more positively then, because my question was, what terrible things do players do? Let's flip that script. And I'll say, and I'll, I'll say, Peter, what, if you think about a really good table, you had a really good group of players that you look back on and be like, mm. oh, that was a great table. What things did those players do to make you walk away feeling like that? Uh, engagement, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like if they're, if they're there and they're all like excited and just waiting, if they're prepared to wait their turn, but they're also excited to do to, to be there. Mm-hmm. That I, I I love that. That's a really strong positive energy and something I can feed off. Like uh, the worst sessions I have are where people don't seem fussed. Um, so I find that very difficult. I find it's more like with like people who are more experienced. In fact, that they're less excited about doing things. So I actually like running for people who never played before because. Yeah. That, that everything is exciting for them. I'm like, yeah, mm. let's make it happen. The sense of wonder, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can try and focus sense of wonder, but oof, it's a, it's it's harder when people have seen it all before. It's like mm. a, you've got you've got to go bigger and larger, and you don't really succeed in such things. Mm. We're just old and jaded now. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah, yeah, sure. Russ, what about you? When you think about a really good gaming group you had, what what made it a really good group? Like, what was well, doing? I agree with I agree with Peter. The mm-hmm. excitement and engagement are a big, big, probably the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as all that, as long as that's there, a lot of the other stuff doesn't really matter so much because everyone's having fun. Yeah. And when you're a group of people having fun, yeah. whatever it is you're doing, whether you're doing it right or you're doing it wrong or whatever, as long as you're having fun, yeah. it's fun. You enjoy it and you walk away having having had a good time. So engagement is a big thing. Yeah, I mean, I and it's really got like it's it. got to come from both sides of the table. You have to yeah. the GM provide things for your players to engage with but equally they have to meet you halfway and just leap upon that plot even if they're like oh this is old and hackneyed i love it though i'm like you know what give me give me something old and hackneyed i will Mm. i i will play my character and have an excellent time whilst doing so um in some ways i actually like playing really basic characters ones that are not Mm. complicated because yeah it's like the simplicity lends itself to being easy to interpret and easy to throw yourself at. And it allows other people to be like, oh, no, that's a terrible idea. We shouldn't do that. Mm. <laughs> which promotes um, intra-group roleplay, which is my gold standard. Yeah, people who are willing and eager 
to roleplay between themselves and chat. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of thing that I associate with eagerness, where like yeah, they're just like popping away. Some of the best sessions I've had, I mean, they they've been in character. We've gone to a pub, or like they've been sat around a fire telling stories to each other, and like you know, oh. really the backstories. Those have been amazing. I love I really those like kind those. of sessions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and a lot of the time I'm trying to like prompt it and get get people to engage with it, like you know, tell us a bit more about your background. And I I just straight up bribe people for that. I'm like, would you like some inspiration? We have shiny expertise, guys. If you if you tell us some stories, because I mean, other people don't need to bribe at all, but yeah, you can have a mechanical advantage anyway. And other people, it's like, oh yes, I just have the shiny thing. Um, and yeah, that that that's what I'm always trying to encourage. Some groups it's much harder, other groups it's really easy, so do they? So it sounds like our summary so far about how to be a good player. Most important thing mm. is be engaged and yes. excited to be there. That's the best thing that you can do. And be, and be present. Be yeah. present. Mm. Be kind of create a character that wants to be there and isn't antagonistic mm. to the story and yeah, the other players. Into the premise. Yeah. Yeah. Share the spotlight with other people. So yeah. give mm-hmm. other people time. Basic social skills. <laughs> Uh, to to match the group and then being a little bit prepared to knowing how to play your character as well yeah pretty much covers it to be honest cool being prepared the only thing about being prepared and this is something this is about note taking with players because i don't take notes when i play games and i know other people that do so Does that make me a, 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 a bad player or like, I think you know? Like, you know some, no, because I think in a given group, people will naturally take on different roles mm. that they like to do. I mean, in our Thursday night group, mm. Nick quite likes making the notes and stuff. That's okay. the thing that he likes to do. Yeah, yeah. Sort of when we're playing in person, Al always liked to be the person to look up rules. Mm. You know, different people like doing different things and mm. fall naturally into different things. And I think it's okay for not everybody yeah. has to do everything. Yeah, cool. you can you can share the burden of it. It, it depends upon how. I mean, taking notes is really for you as a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, uh, I love stories. Yeah, really love stories. So I, it's like no effort at all for me to remember most things. Mm-hmm. And I've got a really associative memory. So as soon as I get like, even the slightest clue. I'm like, oh, yeah, and then all this happened. And yeah. it all, like, runs backwards and forwards. So I don't really tend to take notes mm-hmm. unless it's, like, something specific, like a password or a, like, location name that we need to refer back to. Mm. Or, like, you know, just, like, taking descriptions. Or I mean, obviously, if it's a murder mystery, I take a lot more notes because the details are super important. Sure, yeah. Like a detective, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, basically. And I've, I've actually played... An absolute blinder of a game, which was using Warhammer Fantasy, and it was a, a murder mystery. So we had like a yes. what's it, a A3 bit of paper, and there was a lot of like little pins and bits of string and mm. sketching things on it. And uh, yeah, had a whirl of time with that. Sounds like you were a good player in that game because you were engaged and excited to be there. I'm always engaged and excited to be there, just like, like on the a, podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think if we summarised it with those five things, then I think those yeah. are the things to be a good player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've won. Huzzah! We've solved. We've uh, solved the internet. Excellent. Yeah. I, I mean, you don't, you don't. I mean, you don't even need to bring your own dice. Although it's nice if you do, but like, yeah, the paraphernalia, the audio stuff. If that helps you, get it. But you don't. Yeah. Need I mean, it. that's kind of what I was saying by be prepared, because that will mean, mean yeah. different things to different GMs. Because some GMs will yeah. be like, I'm going to expect you to have 
Oh, Bro- here's yeah. one. Oh. Hmm. If you're an uh, in-person group and there's mm. a tradition of bringing snacks, don't be the person that never brings snacks, oh, okay. yet eats all the snacks. Yeah, I think that came under my umbrella of like the, the social... Yeah. Basic social, social skills, yeah. The, well, yeah. the social skills, because different groups have different social dynamics and expectations. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it is fair to say, though, that it is good to verbalise those expectations sometimes. Because if pe- some yes. people, like, you know, if you're autistic or something and you don't pick up on the unspoken rules... Make sure you give people a chance to say, hey, we generally bring snacks with us when we come. Because then someone will be like, cool, now I know that's the thing we do, I'll do it. Instead of just, mm. yeah. yeah. That's another thing with groups is if there's an issue to just bring it up and talk about it so there's not this passive aggressive kind of, I'm annoyed about mm. this, but I shan't say anything. And then the person that's annoying you has no idea and they're just skiffing around yeah. happy in their work, their little mm. world. And, and then until suddenly it all explodes. Yeah, and then they don't yeah. know how. And they're like, oh, I would, I would have done the thing if I knew you needed me to do the thing or, or not do the thing. But no one said, yeah. So that's well, what they say. Yeah, I think we've, I think we've covered... I, I think, think we've covered, we've covered how to be a good player. So this podcast is over. <laughs> if we've missed anything, tell us on the internet <laughs> and correct us because that's what the internet's yeah. for. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Oh, I'm going to have a shower. That comes yes. under the... I thought you were just saying that Basic to me. I was like, skills. first of all, how dare yeah, you? Jessica, have a shower! <laughs> I will not! Damn I will not! There's no need. My dog doesn't mind, so I don't care. <laughs>